welcome to the Drunk Dietitians podcast, co-hosted by your favorite tipsy registered dietitians, yours truly, Sammy Previtt, co-owner of Dietitians of Palm Valley, and Jenna Warner, owner of Happy Strong Healthy. Us dietitian besties can't stand diet culture bullshit and love keeping it real. Our mission is for all humans to believe that they are made for so much more than chasing a smaller body. We are also here to share with you that food can be fun and pleasurable again. Although we're medical professionals, we are human too. We are not afraid to share our deepest secrets and how years of our lives were taken by diet culture. We started this podcast so no human has to feel alone in their journey towards food freedom. So grab your favorite cocktail and join us for our favorite casual happy hour and expect to laugh, cry, learn, and grow. Cheers. So on today's podcast, we had Claire. You didn't say hi. Say hello. Oh my gosh. Hello. (laughs) I feel like now we have the intro. I'm just like chatting with friends, you know? You're so right. Um, Okay. Fair. We're just chatting. (laughs) But no, but I'm excited about today's because Claire is someone that you were friends with, like first you met her in your mentorship group and then, um, you introduced me to her and I, she's always been a dietitian, even though she's younger, um, in the field that I've looked up to. Mm. And, um, you know, with all of this coronavirus stuff going on, I think it's so important what we talked about today. So really the over the overlying message is just COVID-19 and intuitive eating and how it pairs together. A hundred percent. And we discussed this, like the first thing on the episode that you'll hear soon, but Claire has had a laser sharp vision of what she has always been meant to do. Like she knows exactly who she wants to work with and how she wants to help people. And she's so good at it. And hearing her speak today was so inspiring and just beautiful in so many different ways. And I'm excited to share her perspective on this state, this season of our lives um, with all of you. There's so many great takeaways from this episode. Yeah. And if you're looking for a relaxing voice, like I feel like Claire needs to do like, <laughs> a- her voice. <laughs> she needs to do like ASMR, like, like, uh, I don't know. She just has this yoga teacher. <laughs> yeah. Her yogi voice and all of her intuitive eating principles. Like, I feel like I was just like falling asleep, but like loving it. And it, like the best, not falling asleep because it was boring, but because she's calming. Right. Um, just feeling relaxed. When we think about that stress bell curve, we were right in the perfect space. Yes. <laughs> yes. So without further ado, enjoy today's episode. Get your notepads out because you're definitely going to want to take some notes and start putting some of this into practice. Um, and we will talk to you at the end. Welcome back, everyone, to Drunk Dietitians. We are here with a very special guest today. Her name is Claire Tuning. She is the queen of food puns. And Claire and I met via our mentorship, which we realized was like two years ago at this point, or pretty close to, which is crazy to me. Um, And we were actually on a Zoom call together last night in our mentorship. And my our coach said something just like that's so true about Claire that I just feel like I have to share as we're introing this that she has always been laser focused with 
what she does, who she is meant to serve and help, and what her purpose is in the nutrition space. It's never been confused once, um, and that she's always taken a positive approach to her business and to nutrition. And I just hearing that from him, like it made me smile because knowing you, um, it's so true. And so knowing my story with nutrition and how, you know, clouded my background is and Sam too. Um, it's just so I would love once we get into this, once we start talking, um, to hear just more about how you've always known what you wanted in nutrition. I think it's such a rare gift to find and I'm so excited to have the opportunity to talk with you today. Yeah, well, thank you both for having me. I'm blushing. That was, such a nice, that was such a nice intro. Thank you so much for your kind words. And I'm so excited to be here with the both of you. It's like, uh, what else would I be doing at 1230 on a Friday? I'd rather be here. <laughs> Except none of us are drinking right now because, you know, last night my husband said to me, he's walking the dog so I can say this without him yelling, but he was like, I don't want to drink every night anymore. And I was like, what else are we doing? <laughs> like, I have my, uh, I have my seltzer. We can uh, call it that. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I have definitely drank more during this. Like I'm uh, I mean, ask me in college if I drank a lot. That's a different question. But like <laughs> now it's like every like I have three virtual happy hours, a week, virtual right? happy hours like each week. <laughs> and so I'm like, okay, like there's three days. And so it's kind of nice to take like a, a seltzer break. So <laughs> before we get started, Claire, though, we're going to do a rapid fire with you. We do this with everyone that comes on. I'm going to try to just throw some random ones in there. We'll see how creative my brain gets, but are you ready? I have never been more ready. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. Um, here we go. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Wine or beer? Wine. Tequila or vodka? Vodka. Peanut butter or Nutella? Oh, is that oh, even do you know her? <laughs> I know, but I thought like she might like really like Nutella too. I don't know. No, 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 no. If we talk about maybe both of them together, like that could be a cool combo. But if I had to live in a world where I could only have one peanut butter all the way. Yesterday was National PB&J Day, by the way. So I, when I saw your TikTok, I died. Oh my gosh. <laughs> How did I miss that? Okay. Okay. Um, TikTok or Instagram? Oh, that is really hard. Mm, I feel if I was going for entertainment purposes, definitely TikTok. Like uh, it makes me laugh. Some of them make me cry. Like they're more creative, <laughs> I feel. So I guess if I could only have one for the rest of my life, I'd pick TikTok, but I feel bad. I hope my Instagram isn't listening. I feel bad <laughs> abandoning it. <laughs> they definitely are listening, but it's <laughs> uh, too funny. So we usually ask one that says like, uh, Netflix and chill or night out on the town, but I would assume at this point, yeah, like your answer is probably pretty obvious at this point with COVID-19 quarantine. So we'll, we'll leave that one. I'm trying to think of something that sounds bad, but painful because I want to compare it. Cause I know for those listening, something I do know about Claire, she hates avocados, which I don't understand. I don't either. <laughs> so I've never met a dietitian that hates avocados. Or a person. <laughs> I've had clients. I'm an alien. I've had clients. What can I say? <laughs> so would you rather eat an avocado whole with a spoon mm. or stub your toe so bad your toenail falls off? 
Ooh, uh, that is mean. <laughs> you, you know, this, this is probably going to be telling at the level that I really dislike avocados. I think I'd rather stub my toe. Like, I you have really like a was. bad experience. <laughs> like, what did the avocado do to you? <laughs> yes, the avocados have hurt me. Like, like, the little avocado army has come for me. No, the last time I have a vivid memory. The last time I ate something with an avocado, I was trying to be like a next top chef or whatever. And I was like, I'm going to make pesto with avocado is one of the main ingredients. And I ate it. I put it on pasta and I loved it. Like it was tasty. This was years ago, but I felt so awful afterwards, like sick. I was like, I'm going to be ill. Like I'm going to lose this whole meal that I just put down. So at that point, and I tried them one more time after I think on toast and I felt the same way. So I think I just have this strong connection between avocados and feeling awful. And why would we choose to feel awful, I guess? So <laughs> I think that's why, when they hurt me and why I don't choose to eat them anymore. <laughs> so funny. That is so funny. I don't know where I came up with that question. <laughs> I'm just like, it's, that was a you unique know, one for everyone a, listening. It's just a quarantine question and, uh, you know, just getting bored over here. So coming up with stuff. <laughs> Okay, last one that we do usually ask, if you could have one thing in limitless quantities, but it can't be money, what would it be and why? Hmm, I think I might choose something like unlimited paid for vacations. Mm -hmm. I think I that. that was my answer like, in episode one. It really? was. <laughs> so I'm thinking, but if you think about, okay, if it couldn't be money, right, I would love to travel to eat all the delicious food, to see all the delicious places. And if I could snap my fingers, hop on a plane, of course, not in the climate that we live in now, but maybe sometime in the future and be able to go and do anything as often as I want. That sounds pretty good to me. <laughs> yeah. Especially right now. Yeah. Right. Corona and everything going on. Um, Makes me want it even more. I know. <laughs> right. Since I can't have it. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't ask her crunchy or smooth peanut butter. I need to know from the peanut butter lover. Do you Most, have a preference? Oh, yes. Do I have a preference? Most definitely crunchy. Oh, thank I, God. Sam's losing about, this so hard now. <laughs> something about smooth, it just, like, doesn't feel complete. No. Like, why would I eat boring. peanut butter if I just wanted it to be completely creamy? I like the, the crunch and the texture that the unground nuts have, for sure. I literally just finished, like, a big bowl of peanut butter with an apple, and it was, <laughs> like, nothing has made me happier. Um, so I'm with you on this. <laughs> Crazies. You guys are crazy. Um, so all my smooth peanut butter people out there just know I'm with you. Um, but so before we like jump full into like intuitive eating and quarantine and COVID-19, as Jenna was saying, like, I, and I know I, I'm, so for those listening, Jenna introduced me to Claire virtually, I guess, first, yeah, right? Yeah. And then um, Claire and I met in person in September at, in DC at Haley Goodrich and Fiona Sutherland's non-diet or what is it? Non-diet workshop, principle. something like that. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, and so I remember asking you this question then, cause I was like, how did you always yeah. know like intuitive eating? And like, I, I agree with that statement you opened with Jenna so much because Claire is one of those people you look back at her first post to what she's saying today and nothing has changed. She's mm -mm. so strong in her messaging. And, um, so I remember a little bit of what you told me, but definitely I want to ask that question. Like tell our Tell everybody listening, like, how did you get to where you are today? And how did you always know? 
And yeah. especially on that, at, while you answer, because you didn't graduate, you've been a dietitian for four years in practice? Uh, two. Two years. Yeah, so two. Mm -hmm. in your internship and in school, you didn't, you weren't taught intuitive eating, right? No, no, okay. no, no. So yeah. coming that, <laughs> I wish. Like right into the field. Like, you know, for me, it was like 20 years ago, I feel like at this point that I was in school, like learning that, like that was not even at all a thing, but you may have been exposed to it differently and would like, I want to hear it all. Yeah. Yeah. Well, great question. I wish I would have learned about intuitive eating in school and in my programs. I feel like from some of the students I hear from now, Sammy, you might know this as well. I feel like some of their professors are kind of leaning in that direction, but unfortunately that still was not the case for me. But my I guess story with intuitive eating starts when I was really little. I think all of our stories with intuitive eating start when we are very little, whether we know it or not. But I feel very lucky and fortunate to have grown up in a household where food was a focal point in a very positive way. My dad made wonderful meals. I always joke that he could have been a chef if he enjoyed school, but he hated school. So we never went down that rabbit hole, but he was always cooking. My mom's a wonderful baker and food was always something that we connected over as a family that we did together and that I loved exploring. So kind of when I reached the age where they ask you like, what do you want to be when you grow up? I was like, well... I like food, right? I like cooking, but I know I don't necessarily want to be a chef. That seemed kind of too cutthroat for my personality in a way. So I was like, well, why don't I become a dietitian? Little did I know it would have all of the science and the nitty gritty, you know, math and all of that that it did. But, you know, throughout my schooling to become a dietitian, very ironically, that's when my own relationship with food kind of suffered the most. I looked back at my relationship with food when I was younger and I was like, that's when food was fun and it was enjoyable and I loved food, but now here I am studying to become a food and nutrition professional and you know, food is more of a rule for me or it's more something that I track and it's really gotten away from what brought me into this field in the first place. So it was kind of this like moment of divine intervention where I was realizing I don't love what my education has done to my own relationship with food and then I reached my internship and it was on some break, I don't know if it was like a spring break or a winter break, but I was uh, perusing the library. I feel like I sound like a thousand years old because I don't know if anybody <laughs> ever does that anymore. But I was at the library and of course I found myself in the nutrition and like the cookbook section because what else does a future dietitian do? But I pulled a book off of the shelf that was kind of sticking out a little bit farther than the rest. Again, it was like a divine intervention type of moment. And it was red and blue on the cover and it was the original version of intuitive eating that they wrote in 1995. And I was like, okay, Okay. This sounds interesting. Maybe this could be a decent read for myself. So I checked it out. I took it home. I opened it. A bird just flew into my window, by the way, but I, <laughs> it's okay. I opened it and I started reading it and I couldn't put it down. I was like, this is the relationship with food that I had when I was younger that sparked my interest in wanting to become a dietitian. And it's a real thing, right? It has studies behind it. Like it's something... <laughs> 
hello pup. <laughs> um, it has all of these things that very much fit with, you know, why I wanted to become a dietitian in the first place. So after I, I found that book and I started reading it, I knew that I couldn't do anything else really. I was like, it's kind of one of those things when you read intuitive eating, you can't unlearn it or unread it. Although I had the the older version, I, I very soon after got my hands on the newer version, which there's an even newer one coming out mm -hmm. very soon that I'm excited for. But um, yeah, I that one right there that Jenna's <laughs> holding up. But I knew that once I had my credential that I wanted to start my own practice and I wanted to help people through this model through the principles and through this lens. So I feel like the, the last few years have been rapid learning for me um, as far as, you know, this and the help at every size message and all that kind of comes along with intuitive eating, but didn't find it in my schooling. Super happy to say I found it near the end and it kind of reignited like, oh, this is why I'm here in the first place. It's a no brainer. So that brings us to where we are here with uh, you two awesome ladies. And remember when you were talking about before we started recording, how like awful it would be if you got a dog and it barked during a part of the podcast. I jinxed it. I jinxed it. <laughs> I, the death eyes that I just gave Matt, I like feel like you guys probably felt. So I'm sorry about that. Um, but that, I mean, to me, hearing you say that and like knowing your personality and like knowing you and your messaging, like it's just so awesome because what you're saying is that you learned the science, you absorbed the science, you digested it for a pun for you, <laughs> yes. um, but you, something didn't feel right. And like, you didn't want to share that feeling with the people that you and ultimately ended up working with um, or working with now. And I think that's yeah. so beautiful. Talk about trusting your gut. Yeah. Yeah. Look at all those puns. Jenna. I know. I'm really like pulling them out for she, Claire today. She's like smiling and looking <laughs> off to the side like, Claire, yeah. be proud of me. Like somebody <laughs> please. Look what I've done. For anyone who's how up. good that was. <laughs> yeah. For anyone who's listening who can't see my shirt, it says squeeze the day and it has an orange on the front. So uh, in front of a beautiful yellow of, wall. <laughs> yeah. 90% of my clothing is food pun themed. So I had to come prepared for you all today. That's amazing. <laughs> I had a call earlier with Mindy, my business partner, and she had a shirt on that says quinoa get a what what. And I was like, <laughs> I, I was like, I've never seen that one. Like I need that. And I feel like, I feel like Claire would wear that shirt. For, for sure. sure. For sure. That's so good. I know. It's so good. I've never, never seen one with quinoa before. Um, but okay. So that is such a great foundation and, you know, just for our listeners. So they know uh, like that those nuggets about you. And I feel like for anyone who hasn't already followed you on Instagram, of course, we'll, we'll make sure they do at the end of this episode, but, um, your Instagram and your TikTok, which you are, you're amazing. The I feel like I, one, has anyone seen that one on here? Your you, Sam, where she's no. got like the football paint under her eyes. And oh yeah. yeah. Looking. That was a charcoal face mask, by the way. I was like, oh so yeah. Good. Like taking on diet culture. Yeah. <laughs> But so I feel like you have, I mean, you've always been punny and funny, but I feel like your TikTok has really shown that personality, but your Instagram has always been so witty and cute. I guess I'm going to use the word. I don't know if that's the right word, but just like your videos and everything that you do, um, is, is awesome. So, so because you are so centered in intuitive eating and that's been your message. And now we have this whole, Coronavirus, COVID nineteen quarantine happening 
like what have been some of the biggest questions that you've gotten from your Instagram followers or from your clients regarding intuitive eating and COVID-19? Yeah, I think that's a really important and a very pertinent question. And before I kind of focus on the the questions and thoughts I've been receiving, I'll kind of share there's been a common theme amongst all of my coaching clients. One of the first questions that I ask them, I'm sure this is probably similar with your guys' work with your clients as well, but when we hop on a call, one of the first things I ask is, what can we celebrate? Like, what do we have to feel good about, no matter how small, big that might seem over the last week or a couple of weeks since we have spoken. And one of the big overarching themes that I've heard from my clients is they're really taking this time to realize that their bodies do know what to do with the food that they eat throughout a daily basis without them having to micromanage or think about it. Because I really think everyone's bandwidth is taken up with COVID-19 thoughts, right? How do I keep myself safe? How do I shelter in place without going crazy? How do I keep in touch with my family members? So I think we're all getting a lot of good perspective, right? On, wow, I used to spend so much of my waking time obsessing over food or fearing food. And that's okay if anyone is still feeling that way. But I think what my clients are saying is they're getting a lot of perspective on, oh, maybe you know how many grams of X I eat in a day isn't the most important thing to be focusing on right now or at any time in my life, right? Because I'm eating and I'm nourishing my body and I'm okay without having to obsess over that or, you know, overanalyze that. So I've really been, you know, hounding with my clients as much as I can. How can we practice flexibility and just trusting that our bodies know what to do with the food that we eat? Unless of course we're allergic to that food, right? That's like the only little <laughs> caveat there. Like you are to avocados, which is very clear by the way. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Allergy. I don't know what that is. The avocado stay away because my body does not know what to do with them apparently, nor does my mind. Um, but I think when it comes to some of the questions that I have been getting, and I'm sure you both have probably seen this as well, but a lot of the, the messages put out by diet culture, mean, right, scary, that I'm seeing around COVID-19 is like, how do we eradicate boredom eating or like emotional eating? And it really demonizes this thing that is a coping mechanism and a tool and a behavior that we use to keep us safe from a very early age. So a lot of people have been coming to me saying, hey, I'm surrounded by snacks all of the time. How do I stay away from them? How do I prevent boredom eating? And boredom eating, that's very hard to say by the way. And I think you know we have to approach this by saying everyone is different, right? There are many different reasons why we turn to food. I always share with my clients, we're never turning to food for no reason, right? So instead of bashing ourselves for quote unquote boredom eating or emotional eating, I'm using heavy air quotes for those who are listening, how can we say, hey body, what are you trying to communicate to me, right? And kind of hold space for compassion and curiosity rather than again, you know, shaming that behavior, but saying, okay, my body is trying to communicate some sort of unmet need. Is that a physical nourishment need? Maybe I've been so stressed out that I haven't been eating enough. So of course, eating is going to feel more urgent and chaotic. So kind of looking at it through that perspective, or maybe is my unmet need comfort 
or support or connection. And maybe if I'm quarantined at home alone, I really can't get that through any other way right now. So maybe it's not helpful to shame myself for turning to food in that capacity, right? So I think it's kind of taking this whole idea of instead of shaming ourselves for turning to food out of an emotion because shame ain't gonna make anybody healthier, right? As my grandma would say with her ain't there, but really kind of reframing, okay, I have a behavior, I have this you know, habit, what is my body trying to communicate to me about this? Does that kind of make sense? I, I'm sure you all have been seeing that as well. Yeah, I love the way that you put that. And you know, something that I've seen posted a lot that I just, I have a harder time like understanding like what to do with my feelings on, I guess it's like the right way to put it. But like you said to me yesterday when we spoke, Claire, that like, you know, if you don't have energy for something, you don't look at it. So I'm trying to just like scroll past things that really like zazz me, but I don't even think that was a word, but it sounded cool. Um, but so, you know, what are your, what is your reaction or what would be your blanket statement to some extent about some of the posts that are like, well, if it's your trigger food, like just don't have it in your house. Cause like, to me, the foods that I feel like for people that like they want the most, it should be in their house. Right. But there's a lot of these people that are posting like don't even have it in your house to tempt yourself. And like, I just want to scream on all of these posts, but I feel like you'd be able to answer that like in a calm, collective way. <laughs> oh, I'll turn on my yoga teacher voice. <laughs> yeah, no, but I think it's a, it's a message that we see a lot, like going back to kind of what we were talking about a couple of moments ago, like, did any of us learn this in nutrition school? No. When I was training to become a dietitian, the, the, the counseling tool, again, heavy air quotes that I use was, oh, someone feels crazed around a certain food. Just tell them to not have it around or not eat it. Right. But really that's, um, not an effective or or a lasting solution. So I think it kind of depends on the person. That's kind of like the general dietitian answer that I feel like all of our clients roll their eyes at. They're like, Oh, she goes again. (laughs) It depends. Right. But I think it really does depend on the person in their relationship with that food. I had a conversation with a client actually, I think it was this week, all the days are kind of running together <laughs> in my mind, but she was sharing her, her husband had actually bought her two bags of Hershey Kisses. And she's like, I'm kind of torn about this because part of me feels that I, I shouldn't have these around because I do still feel kind of crazed around this food. We've only been working together for about a month at this point. And then she kind of came to me saying what you just said, Jenna, but I know you would probably tell me that it's okay to keep those foods around so I can habituate to them. She said the word habituate. I about fell out of my chair. I was like, yes, <laughs> learning food habituation. But my answer to her was we can kind of find a space in the middle, right? I think it is easy for us practitioners who want food peace and we want people to feel good around food for us to say, of course, bring it all into your house, right? And that is the end goal, right? Of course, we want people to have all of these foods in you know, abundance that they enjoy and feel okay around them. But I think what I was you know, talking about with my client is, but we also want your home to feel like a safe space, especially in the climate that we're living in, right? The fact that 
we can't leave our homes right now. And this is really, you know, the safe haven for all of us in our own respective homes. So we were kind of talking about what might it look like to have that food around in a way that still feels challenging, but also safe for you at the same time. And we were talking about, you know, having it in abundance again is the end goal. We're not saying that keeping the food out of the home is the end all be all goal because we know anything we can't have, we're going to want more of and we're going to obsess over it more. But I think, you know, for her and for someone who's just starting out, it might be having that conversation with yourself or your support system or your family member. Like, how can we maybe choose one? of these foods. We don't have to do all of the fear foods at once, right? We don't have to do them in all quantities at once, but how can we start somewhere, get used to having those foods around? Because the more we're exposed, the more normalized it becomes over time. And then we can add on to that list of, you know, fear foods that become normal over time. Does that kind of answer your question? Perfectly. Like so beautifully. <laughs> Thank <Glad>. you. <laughs> Claire is so well-spoken. I know. Like, I feel like I could just sit here and listen to you all day. That yoga <laughs> Don't fall asleep on me. <laughs> I know. You're really putting me to sleep. I'm still in my pajamas for everybody listening. So I, I mean, love it. I have my anti-diet culture club shirt. I want that. Um, your yoga voice is really calming, though. Like, really beautifully calming. <laughs> Thanks. I'll try not to put you to sleep. Some people have told me I could just fall asleep to that. I'm like, well... We want to stay awake for a while. <laughs> it's an easy listen. And I think that's yeah. the key. And that will be the key with this episode too. Um, yeah, I think you hit home on so many things. The idea of having your home be your safe space is a really key point, I think, right now. And actually, I was having a conversation with somebody about that this week, just about how many people don't feel like their homes are safe in this climate right now and what an extra layer of stress that does add to it, which is really scary. And I think, you know, what you're saying about, what's the right word? Periodizing. Yeah. is a really great point. And that's a really, really strong message. So anybody that's listening to this or when you listen to this, that positively rewind that and listen twice because it's a huge message yeah and I think too something that's really helpful I and this is like feedback that I have received kind of going back to, to your question earlier like what are some of the the questions that I that I see or hear and this happens in the context of the world we're living in now and also all other times, I think a lot of people see like anti-diet messages or intuitive eating messages or food freedom messages. And they almost seem like inaccessible in a way where someone's like, man, well, if I've had this tangled relationship with food for so long, how is it possible for me to just exist in a space where food feels peaceful and okay. So I think it really kind of helps to, to show people and share with them, like we can have a gray area where we're working towards that, but we don't have to dive in all at once because for a lot of people, for a past version of myself and people who I work with, and maybe you all as well, like that would seem like a lot to manage, right? Zero to a hundred, having none of these foods and then having all of them and just expecting it's going to be okay. Like Probably not, right? So we have to find, you know, a, a way and a pattern that that's going to feel, um, again, challenging, but accessible and, you know, safe all at the same time. So I think it's helpful to kind of break down the message of food freedom to be something that happens a little bit day after day, rather than something that just happens all at once. Does that make sense? 
Absolutely. So it sounds like a lot of the questions then from your following or, or just from Instagram that you've been getting are been kind of centered around the intuitive eating principle, like making peace with food, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Are there any others that you've seen a trend with, whether it be like the like body respect, gentle exercise, like are there mm. any other common themes that you're seeing right now? Yeah, for sure. The, uh, the, the body respect and the, I forget exactly how it's phrased in intuitive eating, but like joyful movement or movement that feels mm-hmm. good. I I'm think I, <laughs> yeah, you can I I pull, out the book. pull out the book for you. Keep talking. Sorry, I'll find you got it. got our librarian on <laughs> I think it's joyful movement or movement feel the difference. That might've been one of the very first ones. In this version of the book, it's X principle nine is exercise. Feel the difference. Okay. Um, I, I personally love the word movement. I don't, they might be changing that in the next edition. I think movement just as a, I don't know, it just is a word that makes me feel better inside. Right. I feel like it's more neutral because I think exercise, like for my group coaching, we just talked about that. And like exercise can be a very triggering word because you don't have a positive relationship with exercise. Like just saying exercise as a principle, I think can be really triggering. Yeah. This is 2012, by the way. So, yeah. So it's been, it's been a minute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think the thing with that, and I almost kind of want to eye roll a little bit when I talk about what I've seen and I know both of you are smiling, you're both kind of giving me that like side <laughs> eye because you're like, we've seen it. Um, but a lot of this stuff, again, talk about coming from a lofty place, right? Like I was talking about a couple of moments ago, I have even like as a, a person and also a nutrition professional myself, I've even had to do a little bit of cleaning up of my own feed because, you know, I thought it was a positive and healthy space for me, but over the past couple of weeks, all I've seen are workout videos, right? Or move in this exact way, or, oh my gosh, like you can't just use this time as a quote unquote excuse, right? To give your body rest or to let up on your goals. And I've received a lot of questions around like, how do I navigate these messages and maybe work on my relationship with not only movement, but also rest in this period of time. So something that I have been really encouraging people to do, I'm sure both of you have encouraged your clients to do the same as well, but it's like spring cleaning, Corona edition, right? (laughs) Like go through your social media feeds, like get rid of anyone who is coming from that very rigid place where movement has to look this way. It has to happen a certain number of times. It has to be for a certain length of time. You don't need that in your life. If your relationship with movement and rest is rocky or even if it's not right like we don't necessarily need that in our daily life and what I've been telling my clients and people on social media is maybe this time is a really great opportunity to explore certain things that you might not have felt completely ready to do in the context of normal life. To kind of put it through the frame of one of my own clients, I was having a conversation with her this past Monday and a couple months ago we had had a conversation, you know, what might it look like to scale back on movement a little bit to give yourself more flexibility and time for rest. And at that time, she was open to giving it a try. It was met with a little resistance as any habit or behavior we've had for a long time will be when we talk about changing it up. But she comes back this week 
and we had our conversation and her win, as I was sharing earlier, the first question that I ask of all of my clients is what are we celebrating? And her win was, you know, over the past couple of weeks of being quarantined, I haven't really had a formal movement practice and there's been no mentality of, but I have to, to like earn my food or anything like that. She's like, this time has really given me the space to evaluate my relationship with rest and say, it's okay to rest for an extended period of time. I don't have to adhere to all of these workout programs and challenges because again, her body needed the rest, but she might not have have been willing to offer herself that and explore that if it weren't for this time. So I don't think any of us are sitting here saying, I hope a pandemic comes so I can explore my relationship with rest. But if we're looking for the silver lining, I think for a lot of people who are trying to you know, move in more gentle ways or reassess their relationship with movement, this can be a time to rest a little bit more to see what comes up when that happens and to just know that, you know, you'll be okay if your movement patterns look different than they do in quote unquote normal life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. I had a very similar one where a client and I were trying to to put our heads around resting and trialing rest before Mm -hmm. this. And it was too much resistance. We weren't ready for it. And so we, we didn't go there. And, um, I'm talking like two, three workouts a day, um, became retired and has always loved working out, but it became, you know, so much. And this has given her the opportunity, um, to quarantine and rest and, it's been life changing. Like not that she's giving up exercise or never doing it again or, but like, she's always like, even after retirement, like woke up at 5am to get to her 6am lift to then go to Pilates, to then go to tennis. And now it's, she's like, I'm going to sleep until eight. Like, why have I been getting up at five? And I'm like, Oh my God. Yes. Like so there is a silver lining in this, not to say that everyone needs to cut out their movement. Cause then there's others who, um, maybe aren't doing movement at all and mm-hmm. aren't fe- and are feeling paralyzed in stillness and can maybe try to add a little bit in, but you know, everybody's story is different, but I love how your, your first notion, Claire was saying, okay, yes, let's talk about movement, but let's also talk about rest because yeah, that, yeah. that's very important. And I think something that's so important as you're kind of saying, saying, you know, we can evaluate our relationship with rest and also talk about ways to move that feel good, right? I think sometimes people see, you know, non-diet practitioners and they're all like, you guys just hate movement or anything that's good for us. And it's like, no, like find me where I ever said that. <laughs> like, I'll bake you a non-diet cake, right? But um, I think it's really important to know that we can rest and explore ways to to move our body, but everyone might be at a different phase in that, right? You know, some people might need to use this time to explore rest more and get comfortable with sitting still Mm -hmm. a little bit more. Some people, like you said, maybe this is a wonderful time to explore new types of movement. Maybe it's yoga, maybe it's walks in nature if the parks around you aren't shut down. (laughs) 
depending on your climate. On your depending state. on your climate, yeah. They're um, closed but, in Jersey. <laughs> yeah, they're closed here. In, I think they're working to be closed here soon <laughs> in Virginia if they're not closed already. But again, I think it always comes back to that typical dietitian answer of it depends, right, totally on the person. Does. But you know, knowing that movement can only happen when there is also rest, right? They kind of have to exist in that balance for sure. I I think it's it's beautiful to hear like so many different perspectives on this. And I know I've said in a previous episode, which I think actually was in Brenna's episode. So it's launched by now, by the time this goes out there. But I talked about how like if this pandemic had happened, you know, three, four, five years ago, where I was with my relationship with fitness, you know, I, I can understand the fear and stress that some people might be feeling. And I recognize now more today than ever, like how unhealthy that relationship with fitness was. And what I'm challenging a lot of my clients right now to do um, is more so like what you're saying, both of you, is just really take a look at your relationship with movement and with fitness in general and how it feels right now to do something differently. Like a question that I see a lot that really like, not from specific clients, but just out there on social. It's like, well, how do I, like, should I be eating less because I'm moving differently? And like that question like pulls at my heartstrings because when you actually understand, you know, a constant stream of fuel and nutrition and food and, you know, you eat when you're hungry and honor your hunger and fullness, mm -hmm. like that doesn't change. And I, I don't think we're there yet in the world where people understand that. And I think this is a good time to explore like what does that feel like in your own life and what actually feels good to you when you're moving your body or are you just showing up for these classes because you think that you should. Yeah. Um, there's so much growth and learning that can come out of this scenario. And I, for one, have been doing a lot less cardio and I'm enjoying that. Um, a lot more of like strength, light weights. That's something that I've never done really before and it feels so good. <laughs> Um, so just exploring things in different ways. And I promised myself I would do more yoga, but I have not done that yet, but I'm going to. <laughs> Isn't your husband a yoga instructor? Sure is. Teaches five times a week from this house. <laughs> you could have a live private class. <laughs> the other day when I did take his class, I was in the garage and he was like teaching from upstairs and someone was like, aren't you guys in the same house? I was like, yeah, but I don't want to like be in that screen. <laughs> like, well, why don't you be his like um, yoga partner, and then he can demonstrate like tweaks of alignment. I'm like, like what not to do? <laughs> <laughs> he said to me the other day he's going to be doing like a pop up, um, and it would be handstand focus. And he told me it was like he was going to use me as a demo. I was like, why? Because I can't do one. <laughs> It's okay, That's we're all learning. By the end of this quarantine, maybe I will. So. Yeah. And, and kind of going off of, of what you were saying there, a question that you get, like, if my movement is different, does my eating have to be different, right? I think that's something that diet culture really teaches us, like, oh, move less, eat less, right? Move more, probably still eat less, right? Yeah. <laughs> the, the messaging that we're, we're always told, but something that I say that I came up with this, I'm sure someone else has also said it, but an analogy or a phrase that I put a lot on social media and I know resonates with a lot of people is food is not a trophy, right? It's not something that you earn. It's not something that you have to do something special to get. It's a survival mean that you come into this world 
needing and having the right to eat enough of simply because you are a person, you're a human. So I think that can be really helpful to kind of, you know, think about how we talk about food, right? Thinking that it has to be earned and we have to, you know, we get our gold star for being hungry, but food is not a trophy. It's not a participation medal that we get from being like first grade soccer, but it's this life force and this energy and this fuel. So I think when we can really reframe our food to be something, Jenna, like you say, that is enjoyable, it is satisfying. It's something that we would not be here without. It's like, well, of course I don't have to earn it because it's not a prize. It's something that I need to survive and, and thrive. So that's kind of what I always try to hit home. My, my clients who are listening are probably like, mm, there she goes <laughs> <laughs> on the same topic. But I think it's so important because it's so counterculture, if you will, to the, the messages that we hear. Yeah. So good. That's awesome. So we always like to end our episodes with, we call it our nutrition tipsy. So like one, <laughs> which I know it's hard to come up with one right now. Cause I feel like we covered a few different intuitive eating principles related uh -huh. to COVID-19, but for everybody listening, what is like one big takeaway that you would give regarding intuitive eating during COVID-19? I love it. I love too the play on words, the nutrition tipsy. <laughs> Kind of I just, you. <laughs> yeah, that gives me so much joy. Yeah, I, maybe I've always kind of joked with myself. Maybe a side business one day can be like food pun contractor. <laughs> like one hundred percent. Honestly, yeah. no one steal my idea. <laughs> no one steal my idea. But um, as far as my nutrition tipsy, something kind of coming back to what we were talking about a couple of moments ago, I would encourage people to use this time, however long that will be. I don't think any of us know <laughs> quite sure how, how long this is going to go, but use this time to work on flexibility, work on challenging yourself in some way, shape, or form, whatever that means for you. So for some people, a challenge might mean eating something out of a can when they've previously considered that being a bad food or not good enough. Maybe for some people, it's eating a carbohydrate at all three meals, right? Instead of restricting that, maybe that is challenging. Maybe for some people it's resting more. Maybe for some people, like we were talking about earlier, it is getting out and taking that walk if that feels good for you, but it's kind of thinking, what component of my relationship with food or movement have I maybe been resistant to working on or changing? And how can I maybe take a little step in that direction throughout this period of time in a way that feels challenging, but still safe for me? And then how can I build on that progress and momentum over time once I kind of get the ball rolling? So if you're working with you know, a coach, a treatment team, whatever that looks like, kind of consult them to talk about what that could look like. But I'm hoping anyone coming out of this episode maybe has one or two ideas or tipsies, as you say. <laughs> So many. I mean, yeah. so much inspiration was just provided in here. I'm excited for our listeners to hear. Now we can say we have listeners because it's officially live. Yeah, congrats <laughs> on the launch, by the way. I yeah, feel very lucky launched. to be interviewed on the day where it launches. <laughs> launch day. <laughs> so exciting. All of it. Claire, that was amazing. You inspire me always. It's a pleasure to hear you speak. And just thank you for being you and being here. 
Yeah, well, thank you both so much for having me. It's always a, like a, a vacation when I get to talk to the both of you because you're always so fun. My wish will come true. Unlimited <laughs> vacation when I'm talking that. to the both of you. But yeah, thank you both so much for having me. And uh, you are, are both on my podcast as well, so we're sharing the love. Yes. <laughs> so for anybody listening, Claire, what is the best way for them to find you? So the best way for people to find me is probably through Instagram. I'm there under my name, at Claire Tuning. Um, I'm also on TikTok, as we discussed earlier, at that same name. Crushing um, I have a TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> you as well with the air fryer. We won't go down that route. Oh, <laughs> that whole any, episode. <laughs> yes, for anyone who listens to my podcast, the Yours <laughs> podcast, Shameless Plug, with uh, Jenna's episode, which will hopefully be out by the time this airs, but uh, it was is pretty much an advertisement for the Empire, so we're <laughs> um, but yeah the, the yours Julie podcast Instagram TikTok and then I have a website as well that is just my name so clairetuning.com and everything is kind of housed there and now that we just have to say this though when you said before like you didn't didn't want to be like the top chef right like the air fryer makes people chefs like the air fryer gave me the ability to cook like it needs to be talked about <laughs> all right air fryer submitting this episode too we're gonna get sponsored it's gonna be a good time i think i need to get one i don't do you, have one okay i'm sending you can one. you send me the link <laughs> yes <laughs> well claire thank you so much we love you and as always thank you everyone for listening Guys, thank you so much for listening and being here with us. I am virtually cheersing all of you. We absolutely love sipping on a cocktail with you and sharing as many nutrition tipsies as possible during this episode. We know there are a ton of pods out there and we are so appreciative of your time that you spent listening to us today. Please be sure to check out the show notes for episode details and all of our guest information. We promise to keep bringing you the best and the most knowledgeable and fun guests we possibly can. Please be sure to subscribe, like, share, and post if you enjoyed our content today. And visit us on Instagram and Facebook at Drunk Dietitians to find out what is up next for us on the pod. We absolutely love you. We appreciate you and can't wait to spend more time cheersing with you soon.